wisdom raises her voice to all mankind. Listen, for she has trustworthy things to say. Choose her instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. She has insight. She has power. She loves those who love her, and those who seek her find her. She was formed long ages ago. The Lord brought her forth at the very beginning, when the world came to be. She was there when he set the heavens in place, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth. So listen to her instruction and be wise. For those who find wisdom find life. Thank you very much for that very warm welcome. Well, what a great season it's been, hasn't it? Leaning into wisdom, some great messages. We kicked off the whole series with three days of prayer and fasting, which I believe really pleased the heart of God. And I'm fully expecting that as a result of those uh, days of fasting and prayer and the weeks that we've been listening to these messages on wisdom, that something is gonna change. Something is gonna change in us. Something is gonna change in the atmosphere. So before I finish this, uh, uh, before, uh, finish? Before I start, <laughs> before I start uh, this message, um, I just want to give us a reminder of what wisdom is. So it's not knowledge or intellect, but rather it's the, the ability to live skillful lives. Wisdom is about living skillfully. And, you know, the world is knowledge-rich, and wisdom poor. Would you agree with that? You know, as we look around and we see what's going on in the world, my oh my, a lot of knowledge, not a lot of wisdom going on. And the thing is, we can get knowledge at our fingertips these days, can't we? You know, the Wikipedia online uh, encyclopedia has, on average, in one month, 80 billion page views. I mean, that is a lot of people searching for knowledge, isn't it? And I have to admit, I kind of, I, I love it. I, you know, if I've got a little thought in my head that I want to know about, I'm like, let's get on and see, you know, how to make a great salad. Um, you know, I think that the last, <laughs> the, the, one of my most recent ones was how to dry hydrangea heads. <sighs> it's all there, how to prune wisteria. You know, I, you can tell I'm kind of moving into a gardening season of my life. But anyway, it's all there. Knowledge is at my fingertips. And Siri, that's another one, isn't it? You know, you can talk to Siri. And so I had a few conversations with Siri this week just to find out what kind of knowledge he was going to give me. And, uh, you know, he told me how far the sun was from the earth. I mean, it was, it was just staggering. Do you know how far the sun is from the Earth? One astronomical unit. <laughs> 
I'm like, okay, that's some, I feel really knowledgeable now I know that. One astronomical unit. You know, you can also tell me whether Manchester City has won their match. And uh, so, yes, they did yesterday. And so that's really important to me because if Manchester City win, I have a happy husband. And uh, if, if I have a happy husband, then I am happy. So, but you know, let's not be people who just have knowledge at our fingertips. We want to be people who have wisdom at our fingertips as well, don't we? And it's evident from Proverbs 4, verse 5 to 7, that wisdom is placed as the prime value in life. It says this, get wisdom, get understanding, do not forget my words or swerve from them, do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you, love her and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. So that's the title of my message today, Get Wisdom. You know, let's make every effort to be wiser today than we were yesterday and wiser tomorrow than we were today. Let's just keep taking steps into wisdom. And so here's a reminder from Proverbs 2, 3 to 4 as to how to get wisdom. It says this, cry out for wisdom, beg for understanding, search for it like silver, hunt for it like hidden treasure. Now, I love that translation of that Proverbs 2. Cry out, beg. You know, it's so intentional, isn't it? It's very action-orientated. There's nothing passive about it. It's not about us sitting around hoping that wisdom is just going to appear out of the woodwork. It's like, no, cry out for it, beg for it, hunt for it it, search for it, do whatever it takes, but get wisdom. And so, you know, just to say, begging in this context is about asking earnestly and humbly, just, just in case you're wondering. Um, so the Lord loves it when we're passionate, when we're tenacious, when we go, right, we're going to get hold of the things of the kingdom of God. He absolutely loves that. But we have to ask. And it's as simple as that. There's nothing wrong with asking. Now, by nature, I'm not very good at asking for favors or for help. Uh, in fact, I did a recent personality profiling exercise, and it came out saying this. Karen tends to prefer meeting responsibilities or tackling problems on her own with few interruptions and suggestions from others. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> In other words, leave me alone and let me get on with it. Now Dave, on the other hand, is completely different. He loves collaboration. He loves ans uh, asking questions. He's always shoulder tapping people. What do you think about that, this? What do you think about that? How can I do this better? How can I do this a different way? That's just in his nature. He's never afraid to ask for a cheeky favor either. And uh, one of his favorite maxims is, if you don't ask, you don't get. So he is the one that, uh, you know, we walk up to a um, terminal in the, air, in the airport, and uh, you can guarantee Dave's going to be asking for an upgrade. No, no embarrassment about it. It's just like, is there a better seat somewhere? We turn up at hotels. You can guarantee Dave is always going to ask, is there an upgrade of a hotel room? Now, I find those moments absolutely excruciating. <laughs> I, and, and so we have this little scenario that plays out now. When we walk into a hotel lobby, he'll say to me, he knows what I'm thinking, I know what he's about to do, and he'll say, okay, Karen, you just wait there. 
and I'm gonna, and I'm like, yes, I will. In fact, sometimes I even leave the, the lobby or I hide somewhere because I just feel so embarrassed. And I was thinking about this, and I'm like, what's a, why am I embarrassed about those sorts of encounters? And part of it is because I always feel so awkward when the answer's no. I'm like, oh, oh dear, that is like, that's a bit of an awkward moment. And you know, you kind of take on a little bit of rejection. And Dave's like, ah, you know, if you don't ask, you don't get, you know, no sense of embarrassment about it at all. But I feel awkward. However, when it comes to asking for wisdom, I'm actually very different. I ask boldly and I ask very confidently. Now, the reason I do that is because, number one, in 30 years of pastoral ministry, it's the thing I've needed most, so I ask. And number two, I know that the answer when I ask for wisdom is always going to be yes. So let me explain. First of all, who should we ask for wisdom? James 1.5 tells us, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. God is not thinking, when I ask for wisdom, it's like, mm, sorry, Karen, not today. Now, I've run out of wisdom. It's like, no, 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 you back at the queue. I've already given my, my wisdom quotient to somebody else. It's not for you today. No, it's just not like that at all. When I ask for wisdom, when you ask for wisdom, James, uh, James 1.5 says, Yes, he said the answer is always yes. And it's not stingy and it's not begrudging. God gives us wisdom generously. He is a generous God. Proverbs 2.7 says that God stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. So don't you just love that thought that God has this great big storehouse of wisdom that we can go, we can draw down. It's never gonna run out. There's always plenty to go around around, but we have to ask. Now, when I ask for wisdom, I'm not expecting an audible voice from the sky to give me solutions to specific situations or circumstances. I mean, that would be very nice, but it just doesn't happen that way. What I'm expecting is for something to happen on the inside of me. You see, if we're born again, if we've made Jesus Lord of our lives and asked him to come in, we have wisdom living on the inside of us by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Colossians 2, 3 says that in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Jesus, that's where we can find wisdom. And if we've got wisdom, if we've got Jesus on the inside of us, then we have wisdom on the inside of us. So that's where I'm expecting wisdom to kind of percolate and bubble up from, not from out there, but literally from right inside the core of my being. And you know, there are so many wonderful examples of the wisdom of Jesus. When, when we read the Gospels, just staggering. Wisdom that is unique, wisdom that it was just unusual, a wisdom that left his followers and his detractors in awe. 
And there are times when I'm reading the Gospels and I read the accounts of Jesus' encounters with all kinds of different people in all kinds of different situations. I am left in awe and I find myself just saying, God, Jesus, please, I want to be more like you. I mean, let's just think about that encounter that Jesus had with the woman who was caught in adultery and she was dragged onto the steps of the temple and was about to be stoned. And, you know, he, he just out of a wisdom, he said, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. And of course, you know, we know the story. The stones got dropped one by one from the hands of the people who wanted to kill that woman. They were confronted by the wisdom of Jesus and it made them change their behavior. That woman was confronted by the wisdom of Jesus as well. And she took one look in his eyes as he said to her, go and sin no more. And she was a changed woman forever and became one of his most ardent followers, even to the cross. Absolutely wonderful. Another example, a rich young man comes up to Jesus, very pleased with himself because he's kind of done everything that he knows to do to kind of inherit the kingdom of God. And he asked Jesus this, this question, what more must I do? And Jesus, wisely and with discernment, knew, yeah, sure, you've done all this, 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 and this, but there's one thing. And Jesus just looked into that man's eyes and said, go and sell all your possessions. Now that that young man, who was very rich, the Bible tells us, was crestfallen because he knew that that was, that was something that was going to cost him everything. And he had to think about whether he was going to obey that call of wisdom that, that Jesus had put on his life. And the, he walked away. And, you know, I, there's a little phrase in one of the Gospels that says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And I love that, that even though... We can choose to go our own way. Jesus, in compassion, in mercy, loves us still. But it kind of leaves, I often think about what was the look in Jesus' eyes when he saw that man walking, walking away, knowing that he could have uh, all the earthly riches on earth, but was going to miss the one thing that was really, really important to him. So Jesus had this amazing wisdom that it wasn't one size fits all. It's whatever situation was before him. He just knew how to respond wisely, tenderly, but with conviction as well. He brought change into people's lives for the better. So let's keep cultivating a close relationship with Jesus. Let's be those people that just cry out to Jesus saying, I long to be like you. And let's believe that something supernatural is happening on the inside of us, is being activated, a wisdom that is not of human origin, but is from heaven itself, is suddenly coming alive on the inside of us as we ask boldly and confidently. Now, every day there are loads of situations, aren't there, that we're facing. Some are small, some are big, big decisions, little decisions, and we do need wisdom in all of life's dealings. So how can we be confident that the wisdom that we're applying is actually that wisdom from Jesus instead of just our own thoughts? And I think that's a, a very good question to ask. And even now, there are times when I think to myself, is that just me or is that the Lord? You know, and, and sometimes 
Hopefully, most of the time, I get it right, and sometimes I don't. So, you know, we're all still on that journey of really discerning what is, what is the wisdom of God. But James 3.17 has this lovely little checklist that helps us to determine whether wisdom is from the Spirit of God or not. And it says this, but the wisdom from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. That's such a great little checklist. So if you're, you're facing a situation right now, just run, run you know, your situation through that little grid and just see how many of those uh, words that you can go, yep, 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 no. No, yeah, no. And then that'll give you a sense. You know, we want our wisdom to measure up to those things. To put it another way, is a thought or action going to bring you closer to Jesus or is it going to create a gulf between you and him? And, uh, you know, we've all been in situations where we've kind of maybe taken a wrong turn or we've made a wrong choice and, in, and we just know that it's kind of taken us a little bit further away. We've kind of, we haven't got that same closeness or intimacy with Jesus as we had and sometimes we can trace it back to making a wrong choice or a wrong decision. You know, is, is, our, uh, is our behavior going to harm people or is it going to help people and honor them? That's another really good little check to see whether we are walking in wisdom or not. And of course, sometimes our hearts can deceive us as well. We could be so desperate for something that we convince ourselves that it's right. But even though we know that facts are telling us something different, we know that maybe our motives aren't pure. And although in the short term there could be a gain, we know in the long term it potentially is going to produce uh, harmful fruit into our lives. So again, let's ask ourselves those questions. The other thing is to ask other godly, wise people. Don't just go around asking anybody's opinion about something. Seek out wise and godly people who will give you impartial counsel and wise counsel. It's so important. Uh, in, you know, in the multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. So, you know, don't be afraid to go and ask other people, but Let's not always just default to asking somebody's opinion first. The Lord wants us to grow and mature in wisdom. And so we've got to develop the wisdom muscles, if you like. And it's back to see something activating on the inside of us so that we begin to sense that we know that we're hearing from the Spirit of God. We're, we're confident. We, we walk out what we sense we've been, we've been told. And then we can determine by the fruit that it produces, was it from the Lord or wasn't it? Sometimes we'll get it right and sometimes we'll get it, we'll get it wrong. So don't default to expecting somebody else to be wise on your behalf. That's not what wisdom is about at all. It's about the Lord wanting us to grow and, and uh, mature in this area. And then we can ask other people, just what do you think about this? Have I heard this right? And then they'll, they'll be able to tell you uh, what their thoughts are as well. So don't be afraid to ask other godly 
people. So let's ask for wisdom unashamedly and boldly from Jesus by the power of his spirit because it was always be a yes and then let's, uh, let's ask for wisdom from others. Now the second part of the proverb says, search for it like silver and hunt for it like hidden treasure. Now I've done a bit of research on treasure hunting and apparently one of the most famous current treasure troves still to be discovered is the Forest Fen treasure. Now Forest Fen is a multi-millionaire art collector who in 2010 decided that he was going to put two million dollars worth of stuff in a, in a treasure chest and then he's gonna, he went and buried it in the Rocky Mountains. And the idea, he wrote then a book called The Thrill of the Chase, and in it he wrote nine ambiguous clues as to where this treasure could be found. So needless to say, at least 65,000 people have taken to the Rocky Mountains in search of this treasure, and there have been many, many more hits on various websites and secondary sources as to how they're going to get their hands on this treasure. It still hasn't been found. It is out there somewhere. Now, the benefit of finding Forest Fen's treasure is that it would give us temporary riches, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having financial security and nice things in life. There's nothing wrong in that at all. But we don't want to put all our effort into searching for worldly riches and earthly possessions and just miss what we really want to be spending our time, which is mining, hunting for, searching for the wisdom of God. Because the wisdom of God is going to bring so many more long-lasting, long eternal benefits like peace, like favor, blessing, security, all those things that you simply can't put a price on. But we can have those things if we search and if we hunt. So where should we look for this wisdom? Well, Psalm 119 one and, uh, verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. The Bible itself is a treasure trove of wisdom and that's why we need to read it regularly. Every day we can go treasure hunting and especially in the book of Proverbs. So those who are searching for Forest Fen's treasure will no doubt have read and reread the thrill of the chase. You know, like scouring every page, trying to find, now what is it, what is it in these nine clues that is going to take me to this elusive chest of treasure. They will have read the book, they would have gone onto all kinds of other secondary sources, they would have got onto internet forums, there's tons of stuff out there. People have put a lot of time and energy into searching for this treasure. But you know, we want, when we're searching for God's treasure, we want to be looking in our primary source as well. You see, it would be ridiculous for the forest fen treasure hunters to be looking at all the secondary uh, sources without actually picking up the book with the clues in. Well, it's the same for us. We need to make the Bible our primary source 
so that when we go treasure hunting, you know, we can be looking at the clues, which, you know, are not hidden. They, some of them are jumping off the page for us. You know, we want to be putting God's word to work in our lives and mining the riches of his words to keep us on the path that he has set before us. Now, Pastor Bill Hybels in his book, Making Life Work, cited two examples of when he was under extreme pressure not to walk in wisdom. The first example involved wanting to get revenge on someone who had broken a trust and who had let him down badly. But as he read Proverbs 16, verse 7, which says, when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies live at peace with him. He realized that there was a more noble path that he could walk. He had to trust God that God would bring peace into what was a very hostile situation. Just let me put it out there and say it. Revenge is never the answer. I believe that's a word for somebody here today. Revenge is never the answer. Go to God. Get God's peace into your heart. Let God's peace and wisdom prevail in that situation. And it will work out in the end. The other was when he and his wife, Lynn, were under serious financial pressure, and he had this little moment where he was thinking about withholding their tithes. But this time, he happened to be reading Proverbs 3, 9, verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, which means income, and your vats will brim over with new wine. He was reminded once again that God's ways are higher than man's ways. They continued to tithe, and in time they began to come into a place of financial blessing and security. Now, let me say, I, I mean, people are prospering all around the world without tithing, so that's not the point. But we want to enjoy blessings, we want to enjoy earthly blessings, knowing that we've invested wisely into the spiritual things, don't we? I'm all up for enjoying earthly blessings. And, you know, Dave and I are in a place where we are enjoying earthly blessings. But, you know, our story mirrored uh, Bill and Lynn's story, you know, when we're in early days of ministry under huge financial pressure. But, you know, we mustn't ever, ever back off from putting God's wisdom in our financial situation to work. So be of good courage. You see, under pressure, he could have forsaken wisdom and he could have completely derailed the destiny that God had for him and Lynn. And wouldn't the, wouldn't the body of Christ be a poorer place if that had happened? He's leading one of the most uh, wonderful churches on, on, in the 21st century on planet Earth today. And, you know, we, we've got to just be aware that there's so much at stake. Uh, you know, and, and, it, and it's not just for megachurch pastors. It's for you and me as well. It's for all of us. There is so much at stake. If we forsake wisdom, we derail our families, we can derail our work situations, we can bring disrepute into the kingdom of God and into the church. There's so much at stake. So let's 
Be courageous. Let's hold on to the word of God. Let's allow the word to do its work in our lives. Let, let the Holy Spirit do its work and let's walk in wisdom. And I know that that's true of hundreds of people across our Kingsgate centers. I know I hear the stories of people who are faithful in these areas, finance, the way they use their words, how they're putting boundaries in their relationships. It's just absolutely wonderful. It's very, very encouraging. But there is always a flip side to that as well. And, you know, when you've been in ministry for nearly 30 years, you come across some very heartbreaking stories as well. People who don't put the word of God to work. People who don't take the advice of wise and godly people and they choose to go their own way. And then very sadly, we see that, you know, a little way down the line, it's all ended in tears. You know, but let's make our good news stories more than our bad news stories, hey? Let's be people who are absolutely committed to walking in wisdom. You know, Rachel Gardner, when she spoke on wisdom in relationships, relayed how she always carries her Bible with her when ministering to young people because she wants them to know the source of her wisdom. Now, I was chatting to a couple of our guys on staff in the week, in the staff kitchen, as you do, have some of the best conversations, actually, making a cup of tea in the staff kitchen. So I'm like, right, Nathan, Dave, tell me, how do you get wisdom? Because that's what I've been asking, you know, for the last couple of weeks, asking people, how do you get it? How do you get it? They're like, Karen, it's in the beards. (laughs) I'm like, oh. I think they're getting confused between grey hair and long hair. I think that's, you know. Uh, but seriously, though, well, you know, I love those guys. And, and I love it that we've got hundreds of young people around in our mix who are putting t- wisdom to work in their lives. And so we want to be people who champion our young people, who encourage them, who, who just like get behind them. It's like, yes, we can do it. You can do it. You know, let's just stand together with them because, you know, they're, they're in an age now where some of what they're navigating in terms of the issues of relationships particularly is so far from what we were navigating, you know, in, in our youth and what some of you were navigating even further back. So, you know, we really want to get behind our young people and bless them and encourage them and just... You know, put a stake in the ground. Wisdom always pays. Wisdom always pays. So let's make the Bible our primary source. Now, I, you know, Rachel, when she said about carrying her Bible around, I was actually very convicted by that. And I used to carry a Bible around, a lovely little one that was always in my handbag. The thing is... It's so small, I actually can't read it anymore. The print is just, uh, why has the print got smaller over the years? That's what I want to (laughs) know. So I'm like, oh, can I really kind of carry this big, heavy Bible around everywhere? And uh, uh, I'm like, well, no, I can't really. But I do want to say, I don't carry it around in my Bible, in my handbag, but I do just want to say, just make, just make this book, your treasure trove. Read it, read it every day. Study it. If there are things in it that you don't understand, well then get out of concordance. Look at the footnotes. Do whatever it takes to understand what is going on in this book. A few years ago, I, 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 because I love this particular version, the, 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 um, 
the New Living Translation Study Bible. It's got brilliant footnotes in it. And so I sort of committed to read, I thought it was going to take me a year. I thought, right, I'm not going to read the Bible text. I'm going to read all the footnotes. And I just had an amazing time. It actually took me two years to do that rather than one. But I learned so much more because I was kind of getting underneath some of the things that I didn't really understand. And, you know, there were things, light bulb moments. It's like, oh, I can't believe, I can't believe after all these years I've been reading the word that way when actually this is, this is what it means. So let's make this the treasure trove. Tre- treasure trove. But don't just think you've got to rely on primary sources because I've already referred to this book, uh, Making Life Work, and this is a brilliant secondary source. There's nothing wrong with secondary sources. So, you know, after the service, why don't you go and get a hold of this if you haven't already got one. It's five pounds. It'll be the best five pounds you've spent in a long time. There's just some great little keys in there, some great stories, some great encouragements, and some great challenges as well. So I want to ask you this question as we conclude the series. What have you been most challenged by as you've heard these recent messages? Where do you most need to put wisdom to work in your life? Is it in the area of work? Is it in relationships? Is it money? Is it in the words that you speak? Maybe it's all of them. I think for me, I'm probably most challenged again by Steve's message on uh, the power of our words. And, you know, as I watched that and listened to that, I'm like, oh, God, help me again. You know, help me, help me align my words with what your words say. So I'm sure we've all got things that we, we need to walk in more wisdom in. So now is a, a moment where we can actually begin to activate it. So what steps do you need to do to move forward, or maybe it's not steps going forward, or perhaps it's boundaries that you've got to put around your life to step back from from some things. Maybe you're on the edge of making a very, very unwise decision. So why not just take a step back and just check, you know, just make a check. Are you walking in wisdom in that area of your life? You know, we don't want to wait for a crisis, do we, before we ask and cry out for wisdom. Or we, that's the whole thing about this. If we ask regularly, we're kind of storing it up, aren't we? So that when a crisis or a situation that we don't know how to deal with comes, we've kind of got a deposit in our lives already, and I love that. I want to be drawing from a full storehouse on the inside of me, not feeling like all my reserves are are empty. That's why we want to to ask for wisdom from a position of strength, not from a position of, I'm in a crisis and I don't know what to do. So set your life on this path of wisdom. You know, let's not be people who just make the occasional wise choice, but let's be people who build good habits into our lives for wise living. We want to be positioned and ready just to take on whatever it is that comes our way. And you know, I've noticed that in studying these scriptures, there's a lot about protection in wisdom, and I I absolutely love that. You know, the life throws many, many storms at us, just life. So why, why add to the storms of life by walking unwisely? 
If we walk wisely, we actually begin to protect ourselves from some of the storms of life. And I am all up for that. And you know, when we started that three days of prayer and fasting at the beginning of the series, I know, I know that we kind of threw a shield up over the church as we asked for wisdom. And I don't know what we've been protected from as a result. I don't want to know what we've been protected from as a result. But I know that a shield of protection came up over us because God was pleased that we had actually done that and asked for wisdom. So we have a responsibility to ourselves, to our families, to our church, to our neighborhoods, to our cities, and to God himself to walk in wisdom. So let's not be afraid to ask. No, be confident that when we're asking, it's coming from the inside. And you know, you can even sense, you know, you'll be, you'll, the way you think will begin to change, or you'll just begin, there'll be little checks and balances that come into your thought processes. I believe that, that those things are spiritual and holy, not of natural uh, human thought, but I begin to recognize the signs when I'm sort of listening to the wisdom of the Lord. So finally, just want to say it again, if you haven't already got it, how do we get wisdom? We cry out for it, we beg for it, we ask, we do whatever it is, and we search for it like silver, and we hunt for it like hidden treasure. Amen? So let's pray. Father, I thank you that you give wisdom generously and lavishly to those who ask. And I thank you, Father, that when we have Jesus living on the inside of us, we can be confident that you're, you're, you're gonna activate something and we, we can, we're gonna be able to recognize what that wisdom looks like and what that wisdom sounds like. So Lord, we wanna position ourselves for more, Lord. We wanna be bold, we wanna be cheeky, we want to be confident before you, knowing that the answer is always going to be yes when we ask.